Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Fight Island 4, Holly Holm versus Irena Aldana. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night in Yas Island, Abu Dhabi. You already know the deal. If Irena Aldana gets past the former champion, she's going to be next for Amanda the Goat Nunes. Yeah, 100%, man. She's coming off that big upset against Ketlin Vieira. You know, there's been a lot of hot takes about that fight. Some people say it was a fluke. Some people say that Irena Aldana's leveling up. So, I'm excited to see what really goes down this Saturday night. Holly Holm, you know, she she's like the Frankie Edgar of the uh, of the female division. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's funny because it's like everyone will make the jokes about you know Holly Holm getting more title shots. Oh look, Holly Holm got another title shot, but it's like. Only certain level of fighters beat her, and it's usually champions or number one contenders. So this is actually going to really let us know exactly where Arena Aldana stands. And I feel like if Arena Aldana would have taken this fight a year or two ago, she would have a less, you know, a less likely chance of passing this test. But I feel like now she's really paid her dues. So if she's ever going to win against a former champion, it's got to be Saturday night, Shaq. Well, Shaq. Let's break down this whole car start to finish because first up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Jessen Ayari, who's 16 and 5, and Luigi Vandermini is 8 and 1. Currently, they got Jessen Ayari minus 120. The comeback on Luigi Vandermini is plus 100. I mean, Shaq, look, we haven't seen either of these guys in two years. So I'm not really sure what to expect. Uh, but I'll say this like, Jessen Ayari's kind of got a bit of a point fighting style from what we've seen. You know, he went up there against Darren Till. He fought tough. Look, he got dropped like four or five times, and he didn't go out unconscious. So I got to give him credit for that. And then his next fight with Stevie Ray, a lot of people thought uh, he got robbed. I mean, I personally disagree. I thought Stevie Ray edged out the fight, but, I mean, you know, the judges uh, the judges got it right in my opinion. I know people are going to disagree with that. It is what it is. Now, as far as this matchup is concerned, out of the two, even though uh, Luigi Vandermini you know, officially got finished in his debut. Like, dude, he was in there with Eliza Zaleski, and he took Eliza's back and almost choked him out. So that right, me, that right there is more impressive to me than you know, barely, you know, than almost uh, winning a split against Stevie Ray. So for that reason, I'm gonna pick Luigi Vandermini, but it's not a confident pick because I don't know what to expect from either guy. But the one moment that he had of success in his fight versus Zaleski was more impressive than the two fights Justin Ayari's had for me. So I'm going to go with Luigi Vandermini to get this done. Yeah, man, this is a, a tough fight because, you know, like you mentioned, Ayari's last fight, a lot of people thought he got the nod. I, I, you know, whether he won or lost, I will say uh, that was the best version of Ayari I've seen, man. Uh, you know, in, in compare, I mean, look, he fought Darren Till, who's a fucking top five fighter. Uh, it, it was a better performance in the wallhead fight, in my opinion. I guess 155 is a is a better weight class for him. I, I thought he had, you know, better head movement than usual. <laughs> like, he still fights with his hands down. But, man, he actually ate the shots, the straight lefts, be better than he normally would, man. Normally, he'd be wobbling all over the place, uh, you know, doing the chicken dance. So, I actually thought, win or lose, I thought Ayari was headed in the right direction. I know he actually went to ATT for that last fight, so... I think if he if he stays focused, man, he could. You know, Vanderimi, uh, Luigi, man, he's kind of a mystery to me because yeah, he he did take Eliza's back, but you know, he is a black belt in, and it's like when he after he got off his back, he didn't let anything go on the feet, man. And I feel like Ayari's got better footwork, more volume, uh, pushes a higher. 
higher pace. It's just a matter of uh, Ayari's chin. So I, I honestly think Ayari is the better fighter all around. Uh, I just don't know what to expect from Luigi because he was coming from a low level and then he, you know, comes into the UFC and, I mean, he did get his leg folded back. You know, he got knocked out unconscious. Uh, Ayari, even though he gets wobbled a lot, and, you know, we've seen some of his vicious KO losses uh, back on the local scene to that dude that uh, Luis Taylor knocked out. I forget his name. But, man, he, uh, he at least he's tough, man. Like, it, it's hard to fucking get him out of there. Like, fucking, like, uh, I mean, the dude's got a, he's got a, a lot of heart. So I'm going to go with Ayari for the win. I think, uh this is somewhat a step down in competition for him, you know, coming from Stevie Ray, who's got wins over Michael Johnson and he's just got a good record and, uh, you know, Darren Till. So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Justin Iari. Yeah, look, I feel you. I feel like if it goes all three rounds, then you got to favor Ayari. But if there's a finish, I lean towards Van Germini. And uh, the person you're talking about is Abus Magomedov. Uh, shout out to my boy, Lewis Taylor, knocking him out for the Millie. Now, Shaq, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Casey Kenny. He's 14-2. and two, And Haile Alatang is 14-7. and seven. Currently, they got Casey Kenny minus 325. The comeback on Haile Alatang is plus 265. Well, I mean, everybody that's been watching Half the Battle for a while knows we've been high on Casey Kenny for a long time, even had him on the show before he was even in the UFC. And when you talk about, you know, paying your dues, I mean, this guy beat Brandon Royval on the regional scene. Basically, his last seven fights are all against current or former UFC-level competition. But I got to give Haile Alatang a lot of credit. I mean... You, you, I know you saw that 30-second knockout he suffered against uh, Kai Asakura where he got his jaw broken, and oftentimes that's a career-ending injury. The guy bounced back. Now he's 2-0 and in the UFC, even got a fight of the night in his debut. So what do you think about uh, this Bantamweight matchup here, Shaq? Yeah, you know, I think uh, it's, respect, it's respectable. Haile's bought himself back after a rough stretch in his career, definitely doing his thing right now. It's just that I think Casey Kinney's just on a different level, man. Uh, you know, it could be uh, a tough. I mean, I'm just not gonna overhype Haile Alatang just because he, you know, barely beat Baccarol and barely slid past a uh, uh, flyweight Ryan Benoit. You know, uh, I think he's got a good right hand, got some good takedowns, but you know, I feel like Casey Kinney just fight IQ wise, just competitor wise. Is on a you know top fifteen type of level, so you know I think Casey Kinney's going to come out here and and Haile Alatang, you know if he shows up to, to the best of his abilities, I, I still see Casey out toughing him, having the better hands. You know he's definitely got to watch out for that right hand, and Casey has been clipped with some right hands in the past, but I just feel like uh, at some point, man, he's going to clip Haile, who's been you know knocked out in the past. I feel like he's going to clip him with a, a straight left or just out grapple him or, you know, win the scrambles. And and I see Casey Kinney getting his hand raised. You know, it could be a tough fight, but I just don't see Casey Kinney losing to him. Yeah, I feel you. Look, uh, like I said, Haile Alatang has my respect. He's come a long way. He's overcome adversity. He's got that big right hand like Shaq mentioned. But with Casey Kenny, I mean, like you said, man, he's only lost to Marab Dewalish Wheelie. Yeah, he got taken out 12 times, but he got up 12 times as well. And he's a guy that you have to be a certain level to beat a guy like Casey Kenny. So I think he's going to come out here from that southpaw stance, fire off that liver kick. I think it's going to be more kick-heavy on the feet just so that he doesn't have to, you know, so he can avoid giving Haile Alatang any chance of landing that right hand. I think Casey's going to come out here throwing more kicks, then he's going to mix in the takedowns. And when he gets on top of Haile Alatang, that's when I feel like he's going to really take over the fight. So I got Casey Kenny in this spot, and uh, I look forward to seeing this performance. 
Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Loma, Luke Boonmi. She's four and two, and Jin Frey is nine and five. Currently, they got Loma, Luke Boonmi, minus 150. The comeback on Jin Frey is plus 130. Shaq, it's interesting because Loma, Luke Boonmi, look, I don't like to call fighters overrated and this and that, but when you're four and two in the UFC, four and two is a regional record. So we got to be brutal, especially when you're talking about putting money on the line. The thing here, though, is that she's fighting a fighter in Jin Frey, who, no offense, but is, you know, kind of on the tail end of her career. So I feel like she's catching her at the right time. But do you think the experience of Jin Frey could play a factor? Or are you leaning with that Muay Thai uh, pedigree of uh, Loma? Yeah, man, this is a tough fight because, uh, yeah, I do think Loma is uh, honestly a little overrated, a little green. Uh, I mean, but who knows? Maybe she gets a lot a, a lot better in, in between fights this time. Uh, you know, you could definitely see that that tie style in there. Um, but she does back up a lot and she does get pressed uh, against the fence a lot. And that Albu fight was kind of was kind of ugly. So, you know, uh, Jinyu Fry, honestly, man, this is this is what I think about this fight. I honestly feel like Jinyu Fry's skill level is up to par with anywhere with uh Luke Boomy. It's just that when you see that like spirit, the fire, I just don't really see it in Jenny Fry. Maybe because she is on the tail end. I just feel like when and when it's one to one, like her last fight against uh Kay Hansen, you know, when you need to stuff this takedown, even in her some of her past fights, you know, she took that KO loss to uh so he ham, you know, she lost to Jody Escabel back in the day. You know, uh, she, she, you know, a lot, pretty much all her fights go to, to split decision, you know, so I feel like uh, this fight is a very high chance of going to split decision, but I just feel like Luke Boomy, you know, the age gap, this, these type of fights, you know, usually trend to the younger one. And I just feel like Jenny Fry, kind of like uh, Ashley Yoder, you know, when it's one to one and it, and, it, and it comes down, you know, put up or shut up. I just feel like she'll fade away. So uh, I'll go with uh, Luke Boomy by split decision. Uh, but, you know, Luke Boomy, I'm, I'm interested to see how she looks because I do think she needs some work. And, but Jenny Fry, she's got the skills. And honestly, I, I do think she's better overall, but it's uh, it's a hard thing. It's a mental thing. So but I'll go with uh, Luma. No, it's funny you bring up Ashley Yoder because I was actually going to ask you if Ashley Yoder and Jin Yu Fry fought and it was one to one heading to the third round, who do you think would get that third round, Shaq? Yeah, man, uh, it'll be a draw. You know, like like we said, man, Loma Luke Bumi with that four and two record, you got to take the right fights and you got to be really selective about who she steps in there with. But this is the right opponent. I agree with what you're saying, Jin Yu Fry. You know, she might have been, you know. A, she might have wanted it a little bit more back in the day, but now, you know, she's kind of getting up there. You know, she she's moving up a weight class. She's doing the whole bit. Uh, I respect her. She's paid her dues, but I'm going to go with Loma. I think that Muay Thai background will pay dividends here because Jin Frey is not really much of a grappler. Uh, she's more of a stand-up artist herself, so that plays into Loma's hands. And despite Jin Frey having more experience, I actually think that Loma has been in there with a tougher lady in Angela Hill than anyone Jin Frey's fought. So, I'm going to go with Loma to also edge out a split, but at the betting window, I'd stay away. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Jordan Williams. He's 9-3, and three, and Nasruddin Imavov is 8-2. and two. Currently, they got Jordan Williams minus 135. The comeback on Nasruddin Imavov is plus 115. So, Shaq, I got a lot of questions about this Imavov guy because it's like this, man. They call him the Russian sniper, but he's from France. So, I want to know, was he born in Russia? Did he move to France? And if he moved to France... Why would you leave one of the best 
up-and-coming scenes. I mean, not up-and-coming scenes, but one of the best established scenes in Russia and go to France where, like, I believe MMA was only legalized this year. So, already, if anybody knows, please let me know in the comments. I mean, would you rather fight French guys or Russian guys on your local <laughs> No, I feel you on that. I mean, look, I, I can't argue with that, but it's, like, the training and just, like, you know— would you I feel you on the opponents. Would you rather fight Russian guys or French guys? I'd rather fight French guys, but I'd rather <laughs> train with. I'd rather train with Russian guys. So, I I, I really want to know what the deal is. Why this guy moved to France? Um, and he called himself the Russian sniper. So from now on, I'm gonna call him the French sniper. But that being said, man, I, I think I think he's pretty good. I think he earned his UFC opportunity. I, I think he's an opportunistic counterfighter slightly a bit on the slower side, a little bit hittable, but, I mean, he's been putting dudes down. Definitely deserves his UFC opportunity. No questions asked. So I like watching the guy fight. And Jordan Williams, you know, he's a guy I got a lot of respect for, man, because obviously you already know uh, not only has he paid his dues just fighting-wise, but he's paid his dues in life. You know what I mean? The guy is a type 1 diabetic, so right away, you know, he's weighing in at like 181 for his contender series fight. He weighed in today at 182 for this fight. So he's already going to be a, a smaller middleweight. He can't cut the weight. But interestingly enough, in this matchup, Imavov is also moving up from welterweight. So it's two welterweights fighting at middleweight. So it, it's a it's a really interesting fight. I'm going to slightly lean with Jordan Williams here, man. I think he's kind of like the more the bigger guy, the more powerful guy, and I think that he'll push harder, but I respect Imavov. I think he's very good, definitely earned his opportunity, but I'm going to slightly lean with uh, Jordan Williams. And for the record, that fight against Ramazan Kuramagomedov was not a robbery, so I don't know what the hell people are talking about, but that being said, I still got Jordan Williams to get this done. Yeah, man, Jordan Williams is a is a legit man because I actually watched that Kuramagomedov fight and definitely not a robbery. I mean, uh, I thought uh, Kuramagomedov definitely won the second. First, I thought Williams won, and the third man it could have went either way. But I honestly thought Williams edged it. I mean, he he hurt Ramazan, dropped him twice. So you know, uh, Jordan Williams is legit. If you can go to you know push Ramazan like that, and Ramazan's probably going to be in some promotion here very soon. So. You know, he's very skilled. Emma, uh, Master Dean, man, I was impressed, man. The footwork was on point. He, he definitely fights with his hands down a little bit. He uh, he kind of reminds me of like, uh, kind of like, uh, what's that? Like, like when he gets tired, I feel like he can get really sloppy with his defense. And, you know, as the fight progresses, so I see Williams being able to uh, take advantage. But Williams is also kind of a slow starter, man. Like he, there's a chance Emma Dayov could slip something and, and crack him. And, and possibly get him out of there early. But, yeah, I think w Williams' MMA boxing is super underrated. You know, I feel like he's actually the better of the uh, grappling as well. You know, he trains with Dave Terrell in them. So, you know, only only the hardcores know about Dave Terrell, you know what I'm saying? So I think that uh, Jordan Williams is going to get better as the fight progresses. He needs to be careful very early because Emma, Emma – uh, how do you say his last name? Emma Dot? Imavov. Imavov. I think uh, he's got some very good footwork, some very good counters, and he's he's dangerous. So uh, definitely a UFC caliber fighter. Like when I was watching him, I was like, yeah, this guy, this guy is pretty good, you know. So he kind of or what's that dude uh, that fought Razak? Um, uh, Munir Lazez. Yeah, you know, like that type that type of level guy. So I wouldn't be shocked if he got the win, but I'm gonna go with Jordan Williams to to edge it out and, and kind of a comeback style type of victory. 
Yeah, I could see that for sure. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Charles Air Jordan. He's ten and three, and Joshua Kulibau is eight and one. Currently, they got Charles Jordan minus four fifty. The comeback on Josh Kulibau is plus three sixty. So, I mean, the line is kind of wide, but they opened him minus three sixty five. So Vegas still thinks that you know Jordan is going to roll here. I'll say this, man. I think Kulabau is going to look better in this fight than he did in his debut just because he's dropping to his natural weight class at featherweight. Also, he's not fighting. You know, he, he had to fight the tallest man in the lightweight division in his debut. It was, it was just a really tough matchup for him, man. But uh, here against, you know, Air Jordan, it's more of an even playing field. He's in his right weight class. They had full camps, both of them. So it's a great fight. But I got to favor Jordan as well, man. I feel like uh, he's been in there with higher level competition. And I, I like the kid a lot, man. I feel like all he's got to do is just tighten up a couple things in his game, a little bit more urgency on the get-ups, and I think he'll be good to go. He's got a very flashy striking style, and I think that'll work here. I think this is a fight where, you know, he can jump off the cage, he can do his spins, he can do the whole bit. And I think he's going to come out here, either stop the kid or style on him. So I'm going to go with uh, Air Jordan and get it done. Yeah, you know, uh, initially, man, I wasn't too high on, on Air Jordan, but to be honest, after his last fight, he earned my respect, man. I know he lost, but I thought his performance was very respectable. Even Philly said, he uh, he said, honestly, he kind of underestimated Jordan, and he was like, damn, you know, this dude's uh, pretty good, you know? And I feel like, man, he's got a good pace. He gets better as the fight progresses, the flying knees, uh, and he's just, a, he's got a, a lot of spirit in his fighting style, man. Like, you can you can see that he really wants it out there. Uh, you know, he's got to work on that wrestling. You know, his wrestling defense is a is a little shaky. Kulabau, yeah, I definitely think he's going to look better. And I know uh, him and uh, Jamie Malarkey got to be Volkanovski's uh, punching bags for, for that last camp with uh, Holloway. So, you know, he just got to train with the with the champ. And, you know, probably he's probably feeling really confident right now. He got to see what the what the top level of the division's like. So, um it could be a closer fight, but man, I, I just see Jordan taking over late in this fight. I feel like Kulabau could come out, you know, very emotional, very uh, charged up early just because, you know, that last one was, you know, I mean, he, you know, he got his ass whipped in his hometown and, and it was, a, I mean, not a setup fight, but a short notice, you know, you know, fill in last minute fight. So I feel like uh, Jordan's going to take it, but Kulabau, I feel like he's going to put up a fight. You know, when you train with the champ like that, uh, you know, it kind of just raises it, you know, opens your eyes, man. So, but uh, you got to go with uh, Air Jordan, man. And and, the, and that shape of Air Jordan, man, you've been seeing that on uh, the stuff he's been posting. My boy's been hitting the weights, man. Like, I, I don't know. Or he got a new doctor or something. He probably been seeing <laughs> Blackovich's doctor. You know what I'm saying? You know, that doctor that changed Jan, uh, Jan Blackovich's life a few years ago before the Devin Clark fight. I know you remember that doctor. So, you know, uh Man, I feel like, man, he's taking things seriously. Maybe that Philly fight upped his level, so. Yeah, I mean, Jan Blachowicz went from 2-4 and four in his first six fights to now he's 8-1 and one in his last nine, holding a UFC belt, just destroyed Dominic Reyes. So we like what we've been seeing. So maybe this is Air Jordan 2.0, just like it was Jan 2.0. But, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see this fight. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Carlos, the natural-born killer, Condit, he's 30-13, and 13, and Court McGee is 19-9. and nine. Currently, they got Court McGee minus 135. The comeback on Carlos Condit is plus 115. Well, Shaq, I know for a fact that if I would have told you five years ago that Court McGee is a favorite over Carlos Condit, you would have laughed in my face. But here we are in 2020. Look, this is the first uh, 
non-top 15 guy, current or former, that Carlos Condit fights in a long, long time. Do you think it's going to make a difference? Can the natural-born killer go out on a win, or is Court McGee going to win this one? Yeah, I mean, Carlos has fallen on uh, hard times, man. You know, just like all the other legends, Tyrone Woodley and ruthless Robbie Lawler, and, you know, they're all... uh, they're all on their way out, you know. Uh, now, now we're about to see ruthless Robbie Lawler possibly take L's to Mike Perry. Oh my goodness, this is, this is. Uh, I mean, who's Woodley gonna take an L to next? You know, uh, for, freaking. Uh, who you got between Woodley and and uh, man? Who's a give me a guy? <laughs> yeah. Eric Silva and Bellator. <laughs> <laughs> who you got between Woodley and John Fitch, bro? <laughs> well, Fitch just retired, so but nah. <laughs> You know Fitch would outwork him, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like straight up. But, uh, yeah, so I feel like, uh, you know, Carlos Condit falls in that group, and, you know, he kind of has had some similar issues, like, outside of the cage that, you know, uh, I, you know, like some of the guys I just mentioned. And I feel like uh, a lot of that can take a toll on you in, in the cage, and he's lost his last five fights, and it hasn't, and it hasn't been getting better, Dan, you know. Uh, but, hey. On the bright side for him, he's fighting a guy that lost to Ben Saunders a few years ago. And when you lose a fight to Ben Saunders in 2017, 18, I mean, bro, like that, uh, enough said. So I feel like both guys are on their way out. Court obviously fights with a little more spirit. He can push a little, push, uh, you know, more of a pace. He's got the takedowns. Carlos is unwilling to to fight hard in the clinch and and for the takedowns. He just you know, would rather play submission and get arm bars off his back. I feel like Court, you know, really doesn't put himself in those type of spots. So I understand why McGee's the favorite. I mean, look, he's still, you know, competing with Diego Lima, who's a young guy. I mean, you know, at this point, I feel like it's safe to say, imagine what Diego Lima would do if he put his hands on Carlos Condit. I mean, look, Carlos Condit, like, it's like, it's like he's trying to use that 2010 uh, 2008, 2007 WEC, like, you know, uh, roll around on my back for arm bars against John Alessio or something, you know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, and I'll still be able to get him. like, bro, you gotta be a little smarter. You gotta fight for position. And, and then you look at his fight with Alex Cowboy Oliveira. I mean, look, Alex Cowboy Oliveira gave, pulled his stun. He, you know, he gave you his back. And, uh, I feel like the old Carlos Condit would have, you know, ended that out. And, Man, what's the last time Carlos Condit won a fight, man? Tiago Alves, long ass time ago. You know, uh, they weren't even wearing Reebok shorts back then. Facts. And it's like, you know, uh, it's just like Court McGee, man, he he is kind of a punching bag. You know, he if you I mean, pretty much if you stay in there, you're gonna touch this guy. But man, I feel like Court's just got more fight in him from a betting perspective this is a stay away fight for me because in the back of my mind i'm like should carlos be a favorite to a non you know top even 30 guy? so you know uh but i just feel like court wants it more he'll he'll hustle more and probably edge it out late and carlos doesn't have no like fighting him man like he's got some good flashy little techniques teeps and and little jumpies but now he's so old it just looks sad to be honest man and it's like the, the magni final magni makes a lot of these dudes uh look like you know <laughs> weathered and old so i wouldn't uh, blame him there but that kiesa fight it was just like all right man like he kind of looked like he just smoked a blunt or something backstage like it was like 
uh, does he even care? Like, <laughs> you know, so at least court, I know we'll fight, man, win or lose. So I'll go with court. Look, this is an interesting fight because at first I was like, oh, I get to fade Carlos Condit in 2020. But then when I watched the tape on Court McGee, I was like, fuck, like he's kind of old too. I know Carlos has lost five in a row. I mean, Court's lost four out of his last five, and not a single one of those losses was versus a top 30 guy. Now, I know someone's going to write in the comments, what about Sean Brady? He's a top 15 guy. Like, guys, I like Sean Brady, too. I think Sean Brady one day can be a top 15 guy. But right now, beating Christian Aguilera does not make you a top 15 guy. No disrespect to Brady. I think he's going to prove himself down the line. And another thing about that fight, because people will bring up the strike counts and, uh, you know, allegedly Court McGee landed a 100-plus significant strikes against Sean Brady. Whoever was counting those numbers, I want to smoke what you're smoking because Court McGee did not land 100-plus significant strikes against Sean Brady. And to take it a step further, Sean Brady is known for his grinding abilities. Sean Brady was out there dropping Court McGee. So I don't want to hear any of this bullshit about how he looked against Sean Brady. I I thought he got whooped personally. But that being said, man, so again, I looked into this fight thinking like, hey, let's fade Carlos Condit. And look, Court McGee might still win this fight, you know, because as you like to say, Shaq, these things don't get better. These things get worse. You want to bring up the BJ Penn example. You know, we could say, oh, he only lost to Nick Diaz and Rory and all these guys. Then he fights Dennis Seaver and Clay Guida and loses to them too. So I get it. And you're probably right. But man... I heard these interviews with Court McGee talking about how, like, he he was so scared of training during COVID that his main drilling partner for this entire camp was his 13-year-old son that weighs 150 pounds. And it was only during the last two weeks of this camp that, you know, he trained with, like, Ramsey Nijum and this and that. But it's like, dude, like, he didn't do this camp at Factory X. He didn't do this camp at the pit with John Hackleman. So... When, when you fight a former champion, washed up or not, that's a huge opportunity, and you got to get the best training possible. And, I mean, I, I feel like Court like, doesn't really give a shit either, whereas I know Condit has been at the ranch with Cowboy, with all these young guys. At least I know he's been training hard. So it's one of these things where... Now, a stat that favors McGee is that I, I heard he's actually attempted 115 takedowns in his UFC career, so... It would really benefit him here to be relentless with the takedown attempts because you and I both know Carlos can't stuff a takedown. He couldn't do it in his prime, and he sure as hell can't do it now uh, You know that he's a, a little bit you know washed up. So it, it's one of those things where I think Cor should come out here and wrestle, but, I, I, man, it's just two old guys going at it. Vegas slightly favored Condit on the open, so... I don't know, man. I think Condit might actually... This is the one fight Condit can win. Ben Saunders beat this guy. So I'm going to go with Carlos Condit via split decision. I hope he puts his gloves down in the center of that octagon and retires. But as you know, Shaq, that's not going to happen. So uh, let's just enjoy this fight. Hopefully he wins and then decides to put it, you know, to to say goodbye. But you know they never know when to say when, Shaq. So unfortunately, it's not going to be that feel-good story. But... I'll roll with Carlos Condit slightly to edge a decision. Because, like, even though he's been losing to these top 15 guys and he hasn't looked the same, I mean, my, my jiu-jitsu coach said it best. He said after the Robbie Lawler fight that Carlos Condit kind of lost his mojo. But at least he's had, like, some moments. Like, he took Alex Cowboy's back. I max bet Alex Cowboy and had to sweat those moments when he took Alex Cowboy's back. So he's had slight moments. I think against McGee, he might be able to capitalize. Not confident. I'll say Carlos by split decision. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got the UFC debut of Dusko Todorovic. He's 9-0. 
And he's taking on Daquan Townsend, who's 21 and 11. Currently, they got Dusko Todorovic minus 340. The comeback on Daquan Townsend is plus 280. So Daquan's three UFC fights have all been at uh, 205. Now he's dropping to 185, so he's dropping 20 pounds. So he's going to be in a little better shape here. The thing is, man, when you talk about the big criticism for Daquan, it's always been, you know, the takedown defense and the getup. You know, his getup game is not the best. And I don't think dropping a weight class is going to make a difference because I've seen him at 185 on the regionals. I've seen him at 170 on the regionals. And there was no difference at 70, 85, or 205. So that being said, I like this kid, Dusko Todorovic, a lot. You know, oftentimes I'm kind of sketched out by kids that have had less than 10 pro fights, but like, When you talk about this guy's regional experience, I mean, he knocked out Michelle Pereira in the first round. Like, when you talk about beating a guy like Michelle Pereira, you think that, oh, you got to clinch him up against the fence. You got to take him down, avoid the striking at all costs. He was out here sleeping Michelle Pereira in the first round. So that's a great sign. And then on his contender series fight, when you want to test the kind of heart that an up-and-coming prospect has, how about you stuff every single takedown that they have, man? And, uh... Not only did he get every single takedown stuff, but he didn't show any sign of being discouraged whatsoever. He kept pushing forward the entire time. And then he also got his mouthpiece knocked out, and he still kept pushing forward. So this kid, Dusko Todorovic, is a hustler. He's a gamer. He's a go-getter. He wants it. And I think he's going to come out here and will himself to victory on Saturday night, Shaq. Yeah, man. I feel like you're uh, 100% right, man. I feel like this is honestly somewhat of a a no-brainer. I mean... Look, Daquan Townsend, I feel like people are overrating his striking. Uh, I mean, I've seen him fight at 185 in the UFC before. He fought Bayvon Lewis at uh, 185 pounds, and he couldn't get out of the clinch. And, you know, uh, he got outworked there. And uh, clearly we saw Dusko Tavorovic, honestly, in my opinion, had one of his worser performances on the Contender Series. You know, first fight out of out of Europe, you know, usually fighting in Serbia. I mean, that's a that's a long flight for a young guy like him for his first time. And I feel like that travel probably affected him kind of like, uh, you remember when Crute fought on Contender Series and he looked sloppy? A lot of those guys look, you know, sloppy when they make them, them big flights over here. So I feel like he's going to look a lot better here. Now, the only criticism I have with Dusko is he kind of fights with his hands down. And, and that's it. But as far as this fight with Daquan, he is for sure going to outwork him, out-hustle him, press him against that fence, uh, be in the clinch. Daquan Townsend can't get out the clinch, and he gets so tired that it, it affects his striking and it gets sloppy. And I feel like Dusko Tavorovic could, uh, you know, land some high kicks on him and just work him and, and outpace him. Dusko Tavorovic, I feel like, has a bright future. I know a lot of people honestly think he's uh, overrated because, look, the Contender Series performance wasn't the best. I agree. But when you knock out a a guy like Michel Pereira on your local scene, and he's honestly beat like Popek and some other respectable dudes. Like, I feel like uh, Dusko Todorovic has a bright future, and I feel like he is going to perform like uh, like he's lined. I feel like he's going to win every single round, possibly a 10-8 in there. So, yeah, I'll go with uh, Dusko. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Kyler Phillips, he's 7-1, and one, and Cameron Else is 10-4. and four. Currently, they got Kyler Phillips minus 470. The comeback on Cameron Ellis is plus 375. So I'm just going to be quick with this one, man. I know Cameron Ellis officially has more fights than uh, Kyler Phillips, but dude, uh, Kyler Phillips is actually the more experienced guy despite having less fights. I mean, he's been in there on the Ultimate Fighter, on Contender Series, uh, in the UFC. And when you talk about a transformation, 
like, dude, like Kyler Phillips has evolved his game so much. Like I always thought he was just like, oh, this average karate guy, this and that. But like, dude, that UFC debut, you take note of a performance like that, man. And he's training with the right people. He's in there with Casey Kenny and all those guys. Like, I like this kid a lot. He's a very bright prospect. And with Cameron Ellis, it's interesting because like seven years ago, he submitted Patty Pimblett. He beat Co- uh, Connor's teammate Dylan Took. Uh, but ever since then, he's literally when I say he's been fighting bottom of the barrel, Shack. He's been like when you look up the records of these guys he's been fighting, it's like oh my god, like an O and O guy, like his last fight or some shit, like O and ten guys. Like you can't believe the competition he's fighting. But the the credit I'll give him is he's from the UK and he actually moved to the United States to get some better training. So at least that's the sign of someone that wants to improve their game and wants to take this seriously. But like, dude, his regional scene, when I talk about his regional scene, he was out here knocking out guys with rash guards. You already know the deal. Unless your name is Brad Riddell, that's a huge red flag when you're out here beating guys with rash guards. So I think the line is justified. I think Kyler Phillips comes out here, styles on the kid. I got Kyler Phillips for the win. So you're saying if you fight a guy with shoes on that it's not a real win <laughs> 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 no, i'm just kidding but uh yeah i feel like uh yeah man kyler phillips man damn he impressed me that last fight against uh gabriel silva man i thought silva was honestly gonna take it but man i thought it was a completely different dude than what uh i remember from kyler phillips i thought you know, Phillips on the ultimate fighter, you know, was dynamic, but he would gas out, you know, as the fight progresses. He was used to getting those first round finishes. Granted, Gabriel Silva, you know, is a Silva brother. And uh, Dan, what are the Silva brothers always known for? Gassing out after the first round. <laughs> so uh, maybe maybe that's what happened. So we'll see. But nah, man, I feel like Kyler Phillips, man, that camp, you know, uh, I know a lot of people left the lab, but man, they still got a nice little bantamweight team, man. They got Batista, they got Phillips, Casey Kenny, man, that's a that's a that's a nice little three. So I feel like he's getting good work. I feel like Cameron Nelson is probably in trouble, man. He's probably gonna get overwhelmed with, and not to mention Kyler Phillips, he is a serious jujitsu guy as well. So uh, yeah, I see Kyler Phillips rolling here. Next up in the featured bout, we got the former champion Jermaine Durand me. She's nine and four, and the former Ultimate Fighter winner Juliana Pena is nine and three. Currently, they got Jermaine Durandamy minus 150. The comeback on Juliana Pena is plus 130. Uh, Shaq, I mean, we know the deal here. Pure striker versus grappler. I'm going to be shocked if Juliana Pena gets a standing knockout, just like I'm going to be shocked if Jermaine Durandamy is out here shooting takedowns. So uh, what do you think, man? I mean, you think Juliana Pena can get this one of the mat or not? Yeah, man, I feel like, honestly, this is uh, a good matchup. Obviously, GDR number one coming off the title fight. You know, uh, this is that that uh, dreaded ti- uh, off the title fight spot. You know, uh, Juliana Pena was able to pick up the win against Montano her last fight. Yeah, I'm gonna just be straight up on on this one, man. I, I feel like this is another typical GDR fight. You know, GDR, you stuff the takedown, you win. Plain and simple. I mean, you know, uh, whether she wants to to keep her back on the fence and, and use the fence. But honestly, man, I feel like uh, Juliana Pena has diminished significantly. I feel like maybe three, four years ago, maybe she'd be able to uh, get this one. I feel like she was a little more intense. You know, Juliana, you know, I actually used to be a big fan of hers back in the day because she would talk a lot of shit and, uh, you know, she would go out there and, uh, you know. But, like, honestly, when you look back, she only fought, like, three three times. She was, had injuries back then, too. Like, she fought Duty Ava 
was able to fully mount her. Uh, Jessica, I, I actually better on her in that fight and the uh, Katz and Gano fight. And honestly, man, I feel like all of her fights are somewhat ugly. You know, I feel like in the middle of the cage when she shoots, she gets reversed a lot. That happened in the Montano fight more than once, more than twice. And Nico Montano is, I mean, a joke. I mean, <laughs> like Nico Montano. Honestly, I'm not sure if she belongs in the UFC. Like, I feel like Jermaine Duran and me is like the, the gaps between the, her and these girls are like not even close, man. We're talking like she knocked out Aspen Ladd, who's like, you know, top five in 16 seconds. <laughs> you know, like I feel like Juliana Pena looked really sloppy her last fight, you know, got reverse. Uh, she was able to get some takedowns, but Nico Mantegno doesn't have the takedown defensive. Uh, Jermaine Durand and me and you know speaking of that last fight with Nunes I know a lot of people are you know uh, you know saying Jermaine's delusional and you know I feel like yeah she might have used the uh, the wrong word you know exposed but I, I, I feel like I get what she's referring to I feel like what she's saying is I mean look at Amanda Nunes's last few fights I mean they've you know been fucking i mean look her fight with jermaine was dominant too but you know the, uh, the other ones in pacific like felicia spencer complete like felicia spencer didn't even come close to winning around chris cyborg didn't even come close to winning around uh raquel pennington didn't even come close to winning around misha tate didn't even come close to winning around uh ronda rousey didn't even come close to winning around uh jermaine ran to me i mean there was some 10-8 rounds for nunez but she actually won a round so i feel like that's what she's referring to like she's saying like i gave her at least like somewhat of a of a struggle uh you know like i mean it wasn't like nunez was out here you know throwing spinning head kicks in the fourth and fifth round you know she was ankle diving i mean i feel like it's honestly uh i don't feel like the comments were that outrageous i feel like juliana pena's comments this week have been a little more outrageous just saying Amanda Nunes hasn't fought anyone like her. And when she fights wrestlers, she uh, gasses out. I'm like, oh, my goodness, sweetheart. Just just, uh, just, just stop it. You know what I'm saying? Because you know what would happen if Amanda Nunes uh, got her hands on Juliana Pena. The fight would be over in less than a round. I'm, you know, we, we, we know what would happen there. So I feel like Jermaine Duranami is going to come out here and possibly knock out Juliana Pena. I see a lot of uh, openings on the feet. Um, and I just don't think that juliana pena's wrestling is uh as good as it's being hyped up to be i feel like she's got some good jujitsu but i i don't feel like her uh entries to get the to for these takedowns are gonna be there man i feel like jermaine durandamy is gonna be too sharp too savvy and end up clipping her something with something big and, and after she clips her with something big i feel like pena is gonna be uh you know just diminish you know just every shot will take something out of her so i see jermaine durandamy uh winning this one pretty handedly yeah, look, I, I didn't like the comments she made, but I don't really think it's going to make a difference here. Uh, I mean, I agree. She did win a round against Nunez, but it's like when you say stuff like, oh, she didn't want to fight me, like, you know, wrestling is allowed in MMA, right? Like, you, you think by this point when she's 36 years old, she'd know to, that uh, this is not a Muay Thai fight at, at uh, Lupini Stadium in Thailand, you know what I'm saying? But that being said, Juliana Pena, the, the, the stand-up difference here in technique, man, is so wide that it's like night and day to a point where like I feel like the striking gap is bigger than the grappling gap. I mean, like you saw when you want to talk about improvements, just just put on the two Amanda Nunes fights. The first time she got taken down once, the fight was over shortly after. The second fight, she got taken down eight times and didn't get finished, even attacked with a submission of her own at one point. So that's a step in the right direction for Jermaine Duran to me. I do wish she had more urgency to get back up and didn't put her back against the fence as much. But 
against Juliana Pena, Juliana Pena still got to close the distance, man. And there's a stat I like that, you know, 90% of fights uh, hit the mat, but 100% of fights start standing. And for Juliana Pena to close this distance with that horrendous stand-up, no, no, no disrespect, I like Juliana, but let's just call it how it is. Her stand-up technique is ugly to watch, but... If I were if I were to bet Jermaine, I'm not going to sit here and lie and act like I wouldn't be worried if Juliana got on top of her. But that being said, man, she's going to get clipped with something coming in here. So I'm going to roll with Jermaine Durandamy via knockout in this spot. Kind of reminds me of the Aspen Lad fight. Like, I don't necessarily think it's going to be, you know, a 16-second knockout. I mean, I could see Jermaine knocking her out in the first exchange. Don't get me wrong. It's just, uh, you know, it's one of those situations where if Juliana gets on top of her, you're going to be worried. But... If that doesn't happen, Jermaine is not just going to roll here. I think she's going to roll emphatically. The only thing I got to say is just just pull the trigger and you win this fight, Jermaine. That, that's all it comes down to. Don't I hate it when the strikers don't pull the trigger, let alone can't get up from bottom. But pull the trigger, you win this fight easily. I got Jermaine Durandamy for the win. Co-main event of the evening in the heavyweight division. We got Jorgon De Castro. He's 6-1. And, and Carlos Felipe is 8-1. Currently, they got Jorgon De Castro minus 240. The comeback on Carlos Felipe is plus 200. Look, I'm a fan of Jorgon De Castro. He cashed for me against Justin Taffa at plus 110. And I felt like those first three minutes against uh, Greg Hardy, he was throwing some heat. But, man, he stopped throwing after those first three minutes. And when you talk about minus 240, minus 260, minus 300, I need insurance that he can go three rounds hard. And I don't have that here. So, I'm, I can't rely on a first-round KO at this price. If he was minus 110, if it was a pick him, okay, different story. Dog odds, different story. But close to minus 300 when I have no proof that he can go past the two-minute mark, fuck that shit, dude. And both these guys have had less than 10 pro fights. They're going to brawl. I mean, it's a tough one for me to call. I think it's a dog or pass situation for sure. I mean, you know, uh, Carlos Felipe, he's a Brazilian brawler. But then again, when you lose to Sergey Spivak, no disrespect, that's a red flag for me, too. Uh, so I really don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to slightly lean with Jorgon De Castro. I feel like he kicks like a mule. He hits hard. Hopefully he learned from that uh, Greg Hardy fight, can come back better. But, dude, this is a dogger pass situation at the betting window. But I'll, I'll pick Jorgen De Castro as my pick. See, man, I feel like uh, there were some good things you said, but there's some things I, I disagree. I feel like, honestly... You know, him fighting, I feel like this, losing to Spivak was honestly respectable. Spivak fucking finished to Ivasa, who beat Arlovsky, who fucking beat, you know, a bunch of people. You know what I'm saying? I feel who like. Beat I, we're doom. <laughs> who beat Doom. You know what I'm saying? So I honestly feel like Carlos Felipe, uh, I feel like Spivak's honestly respectable. Uh, you know, at, le at least like he fought, he's fought, bro. Spivak's fought, had to fight Harris, Tabura, fucking. Uh, to Ivasa, like right out the gates, bro. Like Spivak, you know, he, he might, you know, be a little shaky in the beginning, but bro, keep an eye out for Spivak because I honestly thought he uh, looked good in that Felipe fight, popped him with the jab. I honestly thought it was 30 26. I don't know how it was at a, a, a majority uh, majority decision. That was kind of weird, but I, I felt like Felipe, is a, he's a banger, you know, his shots are a little inaccurate, but DeCastro, man, he, I, I, you know, going into the Greg Hardy fight, I said I had a suspicion that, you know, if the if he can't get the early knockout that he's going to gas out. And I feel like that's exactly what happened, man. Uh, I feel like, uh, you know, he is a big belly guy and, you know, he's kind of a, a low kick overhand right guy, you know, uh, vicious low kicks. And I feel like the low kicks are there in this Felipe fight. Felipe is more of a boxer. Um, it's just that, like you said, man, if this fight progresses, Felipe at least showed me like, 
he was like he was swinging the entire time. You know, Spivak had to had to pick him apart with the jab and stay sharp. Uh, but I feel like, uh, yeah, this is a dog or a pass situation with these big boys swinging in there. Anybody could go down. And I do feel like Jordan De Castro is uh, somewhat overrated. But at the same time, I feel like Carlos Felipe's biggest issue is he's very emotional. You know, he he talks a lot in there while he should be a little bit more focused. As you can see, they, they had a very... Uh, intense stare down earlier today and Carlos Felipe he has been running his mouth saying a, a lot of things about Jorgon so you know uh he can't he can't get too emotionally he gotta stop talking in there and just fight but um I'm gonna go with the uh, Jorgon de Castro uh, I'm not very confident though to be honest man I do feel like there's some value on uh Carlos what's his nickname big boy um <clears throat> but I, I feel like uh de Castro man he needs to throw because the Greg Hardy fight, like you said, he, he didn't even throw. I mean, I was counting minutes where he didn't even throw a punch. So uh, I was like, man, is this guy going to uh, throw? So we'll see. Main event of the evening in the Bantamweight division. We got the former champion, Holly Holm. She's 13 and 5. And Irena Aldana is 12 and 5. Currently, they got Holly Holm minus 120. The comeback on Irena Aldana is plus 100. So, to give Holly Holm a little bit of credit, you know, she's got the reputation of being the former pro boxer, but she won the UFC title with a head kick. You saw her put put on a takedown clinic against Megan Anderson, and you saw her win a fight with 15 minutes in the clinch against Raquel Pennington. So I feel like Holly Holm is decently well-rounded here. And Irena Aldana, you know, I know she's had some shaky moments, but I feel like now she's finally paid her dues, and she's at a point where she can compete with a former champion. Now, with Irena Aldana, she throws twice the output as Holly Holm, but she also gets hit twice as much as Holly Holm. So the one thing with Irena Aldana, she's just got to focus on not being so hittable. And if she does that, man, I feel like she's going to pop the jab. And as fights start to carry on, she does start to get better, even though it was one-to-one in that Raquel Pennington fight. And I know you remember that fucking calf slicer attempt that cost her that fight. I couldn't believe that shit. But she's got two extra rounds to work with here. She's got five rounds. And hopefully she learned from that experience. If she learned from that experience, I think she's got all the tools to come out here and win. And also, she's not slight chalk here. She's the underdog here. And you got to take note of that knockout against Ketlin Vieira. You know, Ketlin's undefeated at the time, and you don't often see one-punch knockouts in this division. So I'm not saying that's going to happen here, but at least, like, that that's a step in the right direction to come back from the loss and get a first-round knockout. I mean, I know she fought Vanessa Mello in between there, but we don't even got to talk about that. But, yeah, so Irena's trending upwards right now. I feel like Holly's kind of, you know, slowing down a little bit. I respect Holly, and, you know, she's definitely a veteran. But I'm going to say Irena Aldana wins this decision by just slightly having more output than Holly Holm. And uh, then uh, she's going to have to fight uh, Amanda the Goat Lioness Nunes. Yeah, and then it's uh, good luck with that, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, good luck finding Amanda. That's usually a a trip to the hospital. So, yeah, man, I feel like... uh, yeah, man, this is a good fight because home, man, let's just be honest here. Her fighting style at this point in her career is more of a staller. You know, she she likes to hug you on that fence. And that's a good aspect of the game. Look, it's boring, but the shit works, man. You know, if, you, if a dude can't get out the clinch, he can't get out the clinch, you know. Uh, and that's what Raquel Pennington, you know, I mean, look, I feel like Aldana, 
honestly is one of the more positive people. She honestly reminds me a lot of like a Drew Dober, like very positive, had some shaky moments, you know, lost to Leslie Smith, lost to Chukagian out out the gates, but was able to rebound and pick up some nice wins and to knock out Vieira, who was able to bounce back in her in her last fight uh, this past weekend. I mean, that's it, that was very impressive because Vieira was, you know, number one contender or, or right there. So, um I feel like Holly Holman is still tough to beat, and like you said, Aldana lands more. Uh, but man, you can't, you can't, you can't, you know, forget about those sounds that Holly makes. Man, I mean, those sounds add like an extra, you know, extra two shots to the judges. The judges think that like four shots landed, but really like none landed. Even though, Especially like, with no crowd there, it's like, oh my god, she she didn't really land, guys. <laughs> like, you know, oh, you're muted. I said, especially with no crowd there. Yeah, man, it's like uh, I, 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 I feel like you're right, man. The at least Aldana's the underdog, and she's the one that's been leveling up. And I feel like you know, super positive people like that, they finally get rewarded, like you know, Vera or Dober. Like you know, she, the Raquel Pennington fight is definitely frustrating. You know, her going for that calf slicer in a crunch time like that, and the fact that we thought she would have more of a of a stand up edge in that fight, but you know, Aldana is a little chinny. You know, she uh, she has been dropped before, and you know, uh, but man, that Vieira performance, the the counter, the speed, the power, I was like, damn, that shit. I was like, she she throwing that heat, man. Like, I was very impressed. Uh, I know a lot of people say that Vieira was winning that round and she just got caught, but I disagree, man. I feel like uh, Aldana was looking good the entire time. Vieira's, you know, I mean, Vieira's going to be up there at the top. So I feel like uh, I'm going to go with Aldana as well. I can't necessarily say how because Holly Holm is also a little chinny herself. You know, she has been stopped as well. Uh, and Holly Holm, man, you know, if she if she thinks she's gonna come out here with that stalling game plan and and you know Winkle John and and Greg Jackson can uh, fool the judges, you know, from outside of the cage, you know, you know how they like to do it. Uh, I mean, it's a highly fight, you know. They, or, you know, every, like I said uh, when she fought Pennington, uh, you know, for every two shots Pennington lands, Holly's already made like four or five sounds. So <laughs> it's like it's like oh god, we already can see where this is going. So I do have some hesitancy. Uh, Betting wise, just because I do feel like there's a chance Arena could get weaseled like she's been weaseled in the past uh, by Chukagi and then Raquel Pennington, you know, lost very close uh, decisions there where fights where a lot of people think she won. So it wouldn't shock me if Holly won another close fight, but I'm going to go with Arena, man. I feel like she's the younger, hungrier uh, fighter here, more power on the feet. I'm really interested to see if she can get out that clinch, man. You know, Holly's looking to stall, but uh, I'll go with Arena. Yeah, man, I'm curious to see if the tennis sounds are going to be an effective strategy in a fight like this, uh, especially with the output of Arena. So I can't wait to find out. Um, normally we talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, but I'm running low on studio time, so we got to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, thank you very much to all our fans for checking out this very special edition of Half the Battle. Make sure you all follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05 or Shaq BFP on Twitter. Uh, excuse me, on Instagram. Follow me at Best Fight Picks on Twitter. You can go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. We'll be back next week to break down the next card, which is Marlon Marais versus uh, Corey Sanhagen. I know, I know my boy Shaq's been looking forward to that fight for a very, very long time. And then the following week is Brian Ortega versus the Korean Zombie, which is also a hell of a fight. So can't wait for all that. And then also, uh, 
I got some uh, written work and some other video content at Line Movement, so make sure you all check that out, some cool stuff. Uh, so thank you very much to all the fans. We truly appreciate it. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.